This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Square Baby, the first ever meal system for infants, offering 100% daily nutrition delivered to your door. Every square meal is perfectly balanced with veggies, fruit, whole and sprouted greens, various protein sources, and healthy fats. Try Square Baby today and save 20% off your first order at squarebaby.com with code COOLMOMPICS through December 31st. That's code COOLMOMPICS at squarebaby.com for 20% off your first order. Hello and welcome to Spawn, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbiner. I'm the co-founder of CoolMomPicks.com and my partner in crime, Kristen Chase, is not with me this week, but she'll be back next week. But in her stead, I get today's guest all to myself and I'm so lucky because I am back with author and humorist James Breakwell, who's here to talk about his new book, Bare Minimum Parenting. Not to be confused with Minimalist Parenting, another favorite book, but very different. And as always, we'll close out our show with our cool picks of the week. So a little bit about James. If you listened to our hilarious interview with James, which of course you did, um, it was about his previous book, Only Dead on the Inside, A Parent's Guide to Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse. And let me tell you, it was an incredibly helpful episode. And if you heard that, you know he's hilarious. Or maybe you follow him on Twitter, along with now, oh, just 1.1 million people, not that many. His Twitter handle's Exploding Unicorn. And now he's out with his new book, Bare Minimum Parenting, The Ultimate Guide to Not Quite Ruining Your Child. And I would just say, provided the zombie apocalypse doesn't get us first, I imagine this book will help out quite a few parents. So welcome, James. <laughs> Thank you. Glad to be here. And yes, this is a solid plan B on the off chance the world does not end in, you know, slaughter and undead. So <laughs> fingers crossed. But, you know, I like that you have us cover either way. You're like, hey, if you do survive it, here's another way to raise totally average kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why would you want to survive with, you know, overachieving kids? That'd be awful. I, I would let the zombies get me before I let that happen. <laughs> So I like that you're now calling yourself an amateur parenting expert. And I just, first of all, I was wondering how you earned that title because that's very impressive. The, the great thing about titles is you can just literally put them in front of your name and nobody questions it. It's amazing. They're Social a- media guru. <laughs> <laughs> I am just some guy on the internet and that is the beginning and end of my qualifications. Although on the cover of the book, uh, they put a PhD and then crossed it out. And that is my entire favorite thing about the book. Like if you should enjoy that part, it, 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 that's all you need from the book. And it really just sums up. I, my, my book is the opposite of expertise. There's no there's no research, there's no degrees behind this. But I think if you read it you find it makes a lot of sense, which is which is kind of scary. But it's not scary actually. As funny as it is, there's a lot of truth to that. And even if you look at the success of blogs over the last 10 or 12 years, a lot of that is because we realized the parenting expert books were making us crazy, but the mom or dad in the playground was talking us down and giving us the real advice. So I think you're kind of like the cool dad in the playground who's like, "Oh, just chill out. Let your kid have a chocolate <laughs> bar. It's all right." Well, first of all, I've never been called cool in any context of my life. But well, there's always a first. The, 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 <laughs> the crazy thing about this book is, I mean, I set out to write a comedy book and then I kind of accidentally proved a point. It's like, oh, wait a minute. This is actually better for your kid. This isn't just a joke. You know, if you if you take it easy, they turn out better. Uh, and, it, and it's been weird going in this interview circuit because uh, I, I'm not really talking jokes and things. It's like, oh, let's talk serious parenting theory. It's like, whoa, I, I really stepped into a world here I don't know anything about. But it, <laughs> it, it's so far, I mean, it, it, people are really saying this kind of resonates with them and it, it makes a lot of 
sense. It does. It really does. You know, it's interesting because it's the kind of stuff I've written about for years, only less funny and less lucrative with a smaller <laughs> audience. <laughs> but I love the idea of this kind of like type B, you know, doing less parenting. But as funny as it is, and the book is hilarious to our listeners, you have to get this. It really is awesome. I just love it. And believe me, we see a lot of parenting expert books, and this is a good one. But there's a lot of truth in it. You know, I know you're joking when you wrote, if you do this right, your kid will be no better or worse off than other kids, but with more free time left for you. <laughs> and I thought, but that's true. We talk about that a lot, that like happier parents have more free time. And how much insane time is devoted to like crazy stuff that we really shouldn't even be worrying about. Yeah. And I, I didn't realize this until I, I kind of got out here and started talking about the book. But there are really some people who think that once you become a parent, your free time is done. Like you live for your child and that's it. And you put everything into that. It's a, that's, that's a really unsustainable approach. He's like, okay, you, you lived your life till 25 or 30 or 35, and then you had a kid and your life is over and you're going to pour every single thing into raising this perfect child. But then your kid is going to hit 25 or 30 or 35 and their life's going to be over too. And they're going to do the same thing. Like what's the, what's the game? <laughs> it, it reminds me, I read about recently or heard about on a podcast about this spider that it, it gives birth. And after it gives birth, it just sits there and it's young, come and eat it. And it's like, that's what these overachieving oh parents God. are doing. They're like, oh, that my. is Park Slope parenting summed up in a sentence. Yeah, it's like, oh, let me lie here. It's all for you. Just take all my resources. All I'm like, no, this kid is a part of my family, but they are not the center of the universe. They are a member of a team. Let's not go crazy with all this. But that's true. And I mean, your kids are a little younger than mine. My youngest just went to middle school. Sniff, sob, cry. <laughs> and, and there are so many parents who are hitting this, I don't know if it's midlife, but like mid-parenting crisis, where they do realize that they've never really had a life outside their kids. And suddenly they're like, what do I want to be? What do I want to do? What do I do with my time? My kid can take the subway to school alone. I, they don't need me to do all this stuff for them, and they are at a loss. So I actually think your book could be very helpful to helping people avoid that syndrome from the get-go. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love that I'm in an industry where when I'm messing around, I, I accidentally help people as opposed to like being in like the oil industry and I accidentally spill a bunch of oil or something. <laughs> or destroy like, the environment for generations. Yeah, it's like I, I here I'm just having fun. It's like, oh, an unintended side effect. There's actual real advice in here. I, I swear it was not on purpose, but it does seem to be in there. So let's talk about the real advice because, you know, I actually found a lot of kind of encouraging mantras in here. Like you said, no matter how badly you mess up, one wrong parenting decision won't turn a potential academic into a hobo who talks to cats. Yes! <laughs> it, it, that was awesome. And we really, we put that kind of pressure on yourself. If I don't, you know, get my kid into the best preschool, if I don't buy them just the right formula, if I don't breastfeed till they're five or whatever the trend is, it's like their life will be ruined. And I, I think on the flip side, if you really tried to ruin your child's life, I don't know if you could do it. I mean, within the bounds of normal parenting, as long as they have food, clothing, and shelter, I don't think that you personally can destroy that child because uh, kids are pretty resilient. They bounce back, they overcome, and there are a million other factors out there trying to ruin them beyond you. So don't don't take yourself too seriously. There's a big mean world out there. Can but you're not saying like give them Mountain Dew no. if you run out of formula. Yeah, <laughs> like it's exactly. not like anything goes no, parenting. No, I'm right. not saying be neglectful. I'm not saying be abusive. I'm saying just get some perspective. If you buy a stroller that is not the $10,000 model, the absolute best of the best of the best, is your child going to miss out in his favorite college? No. I mean, we, but we've somehow attached this chain importance that it's crazy the number of things that parents will go and discuss and debate and argue about in like an internet setting or that they'll, you know, spend all night researching and doing this, stressing out, losing sleep over. I mean, somewhere out there, there's a, you know, a parent being shamed to tears for picking the wrong brand of diaper. And it's like, what, what does it matter? Your child is going to, that this will not alter the trajectory of their life. Just take good care of them, change that diaper when you need to, and you will be fine. The cloth versus, you know, disposable <laughs> debate is, is not worth it. Wait. 
I was that parent, but it was even worse. I was on an anonymous message board way back in the day, and I asked everyone, so where can I find the diapers without the logos on it? Oh. And they were like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Everything is like a Disney princess. Can I just find white ones somewhere? And I was like mocked mercilessly for weeks after really? that wow. message board. Because they were like, what's wrong with you? You're so sanctimonious. You think your baby will even notice the Disney princess? I was like, I don't know. I just thought white would be just clean and simple and not making like a brand choice or determining her affinity for one character or another. But apparently that was like the worst question I could have asked. I was shamed for wanting simple diapers. And you never know what will set off the internet that's the thing like things you think will be controversial aren't the things you think are just normal and commonplace that that's when they explode so a big part of my book is just remembering that you're the one in charge of your child i mean unless you're doing something blatantly illegal it's up to you if you want to give your kid a candy bar or do whatever else there's no challenge flag there's no booth review nobody's going to swoop in and stop you they can try to make you feel bad about yourself but that's it that's all they can do and if you ignore them they are powerless uh which which drives other people crazy once you know that about them actually i love you write a whole section about a candy bar. And I, I actually wrote a piece when I was writing my personal blog, Mom 101, years ago called The Sanctimommy. <laughs> and um, my one proud thing in life is that the word Sanctimommy credited to me ended up in the New York Times that really? year as one of the top words of the year. And it was literally about me seeing a mom give a candy bar to her kid in a hotel, like her, probably a three-year-old, at like eight in the morning and me being like, oh, well. <laughs> and then I realized that like, you know, as much as we hate the judgy thing, like we all judge and we just have to kind of stop ourselves because it's a moment in time and we don't really know what else was going on in that parent's life. And you actually write about that beautifully. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I, I go through that too. Sometimes you see somebody going, you know, the some kid running amok in a grocery store. And, and I used to, before I had kids, like, oh, what's going on with this kid? I mean, maybe not to the extent some people did it. I'm, I'm the oldest of seven kids. I've, I've seen lots of terrible child behavior. But once you're a parent, you really understand. Like when I see a child throwing a temper tantrum in some horrible place in the middle of a grocery store, wherever, my first thought is, thank goodness that's not my kid this time. I dodged a bullet. Because <laughs> next time it probably will be me. And when I remember that, I really don't mind anything anybody else's kids do. As long as it's not my problem to clean it up. It's like, it's not my problem. I'm just going to move on with my life. I only get worried when like the kids are at risk. Like yeah. in restaurants, it does drive me absolutely crazy when kids are running around because I'm thinking, oh God, there's like waiters carrying hot pots of coffee. And that totally stresses me out. I get like anxious and my palms sweat just thinking about kids running around restaurants. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's always <laughs> the line you walk. You know, is this a safety issue? And actually, uh, I wrote a column for the Indy Star about this because I had a, uh, there was a huge shaming issue that exploded on me. I posted a picture of my kids in their car seats and I, apparently I was doing it wrong. Oh, no. And then I wrote a rebuttal article to it. And, I, and I, I came up with the standard. I said, it's the parking lot rule. If it's not something that you would say to a stranger in a grocery store parking lot, it's not something you should say to somebody online. So if like, if you see like a, an ax murderer hiding in the back of their car, you would tell them that. That's a clear safety issue. Or if you see their cars <laughs> on fire, but if you see them dressed in like the wrong kind of coat or something, or you don't like the way they're holding them, you're not going to start that conversation in a grocery store parking lot. So I, I try to use that as my guide for whether or not I want to step in. And it turns out I pretty much never step in on anything. So I'm okay with that. No, I, I think it's smart. Plus, I, I always have this fear, like if you see a, a parent giving their kid a chocolate bar in the park at eight in the morning, like I have this fantasy that someone's going to be like, oh, you know, you shouldn't give your kid a chocolate bar. And that the dad will turn around and be like, we just announced our divorce yesterday and she's been <laughs> yeah. crying for 24 straight hours and like you'd feel miserable. Like you just don't know everybody's story. Exactly. Or they got some medical condition. They need sugar right then. There's no other foods oh, they can eat that are out. I mean, there's a million reasons why that might happen. Or maybe they just worked really hard to get their Halloween candy. Or maybe they were really good the day before and they had to bribe them to get through some huge thing. And now this is their reward. I mean, yeah, you really just for all that kind of stuff, just, just leave people alone. There's clearly no danger for giving your child a candy bar. Let it slide. <laughs> and you talk about that kind 
kind of mob in general. And it, it's like really interesting the way you talk about the mob of parents and judgment of other parents and that we got that in real life and from our families and we certainly get it on the internet. So how do you think we kind of get past that thin-skinned thing we all have as parents where we're so sensitive about every little criticism? I don't think there's ever going to be a point where it doesn't bother you at all. Like if some parent says something as you're walking away, you might not react outwardly, but inside it's probably going to bother you. You're probably going to you know, chew over it all night or whatever. Uh, but part of it, you know, one is remembering that they're powerless. They can't stop you. Another is remembering that, you know, they're a jerk and uh, you know, <laughs> they're raising their child to be when like, in doubt, um, call them a name in your well, head. It's not just calling them a name though. It's, I mean, look, okay. So, so they're raising their child to be like them and look at the social skills that adult has. Do you want your child to turn out like that adult? If you don't, you shouldn't raise your kid like they're raising their kid. You definitely, the fact that you're parenting differently than that unpleasant parent is a sign that you're doing it right. Uh, but I, I think most importantly is just to separate yourself from the criticism because criticism will never stop. There's never going to be a day where everybody on earth agrees on the one correct way to raise a kid. There, there will That will never happen. There will always be disagreement. Everyone will always think their way is right. You don't make the wrong choice for your child. Even me with my bare minimum approach, I think this is the best choice. So if we both decide differently, we both can't be right. One of us is you know ruining our child's life. So it's I, I think the key is just to step out of that debate and say, hey, do I really need to be in 10 parenting forums to raise my kids? Do I really need to be in all these parenting groups? If you're going there and you're getting, you know, reinforcement, encouragement, if you're getting something you need, that's awesome. Go there and do that. But if you're if you're just getting negativity, if they're bringing you down, there's no law that says you have to go there. Just step away uh, and they'll move on to somebody else. I think it's kind of like being in an abusive relationship yes. where these toxic message boards or communities or even like friend groups and, you know, new mom groups and stuff where you're with these toxic parents that are kind of shaming you or mocking you. And it's like you keep coming back hoping that'll be the one time that they applaud you and, you know, give you props for doing something <laughs> so I, right. I think the truth is we never really get out of high school. We secretly want everybody to like us. And when we start getting shamed, when people get on our case, we want to win them over. We want to win them over to our side. But you know what? The truth is nobody on the internet changes their mind ever about anything. It's, it's not going to happen. That's standing ovation we all want is never going to happen. So if you get in a parenting forum like that, it might seem like defeat to, to walk away. But you know what? They're going to sit there in that toxic cesspool, you know, arguing with each other forever and you'll get your life back. So I think if you step away, you're you're the one who wins. I like that. It's like deep down, we are all Andy showing up at the prom with Ducky, knowing <laughs> that Blaine will pull us away from all that and that his jerky friends will be like off on the side, miserable and dying of lung cancer years later. <laughs> that's, that's very specific. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell I've been watching John Hughes movies with my kids? <laughs> it's fun when they get to that age. So speaking of kids like getting a little older, I love that you take on the school issue because I'm going through the terrifying New York City high school application process with my older daughter right now, which oh, is, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's like a, a bottle of wine a night kind of a process. <laughs> so just for fun, for fun, we were like, let's look at the private school tuitions around New York City. And we looked at the one school near us. That's a wonderful school. And it's $47,000 a year for high school. Holy cow. Right? Wow. I know. That's like a lot of weeks of camp. <laughs> and, and then we started joking about how expensive schools are and how expensive preschools can be. And I love that you address that and like why parents are sending their kids to like $40,000 a year preschools. Like you hit it head on with blunt honesty and it's awesome. Yeah. And I guess it wasn't something I really considered growing up. In my town growing up, there was like the public high school and then there was the Catholic high school where I went. And in our case, like you think, oh, private school is better. Like our Catholic high school was worse at everything. It was like the inferior option, but it cost a ton of money to go there, uh, you know, to get the to get the religious part of it. But I just looked at it. It's like how everybody turns out coming from one institution or another. It, we work out more or less the same. It's like we didn't have some secret algebra knowledge that the public high school didn't have. You know, the, the best pre
preschool in the country doesn't doesn't know like some new color to teach your child that nobody else knows. About. It's <laughs> they have way better blocks. Yeah, than everybody they're the else. same subjects. I mean, kids used to learn in one room schoolhouses, and if you go back, I mean, kids were probably better at math back then than they are now. <laughs> I think you, that's a good point. Actually, we even had like a kind of a high school, not a coach, but someone who was hand holding us through this high school application process. It's that crazy, James, that we wow. need to like have our school hire someone for an hour to talk to us about it. And she talked about this one kid who didn't get into like all the top schools and they always wondered what happened to him and then cut to years later where it's the graduation ceremony for all the seniors in high school in New York City and the mayor has all of the valedictorians from every high school in all five boroughs come to the mayor's mansion and have a big party and there's this kid who ended up going to like a quote lesser school than where his peers went and ended up being valedictorian absolutely stood out became a remarkable kid and went on and had a great life so there's something to be said for being a bigger fish in a smaller pond, I guess. <laughs> I, that, there's a lot of truth to that. There's a uh, there's a university town uh, a ways away from me, and it has like the best high school in the state. But if you go there, your kids are competing against all the children of professors who are getting all this private tutoring. I mean, they every year they have nine or ten kids tie for valedictorian. It's that kind of school. It's like what 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 is really the benefit of tossing your child into that? You know, there's going to be so much stress and so much competition. And when I look back at my academic career, honestly, I was valedictorian in high school and college, and none of them. Oh, mattered. listen to you talking about how it doesn't but matter. It You're the I, what, do, what do I do that requires any kind of education? So I majored in English. There was not one person any step of the way who taught me anything about comedy writing. Nobody told me anything about this kind of writing at all. I did this all on my own separately. And looking back, I honestly think uh, other than, you know, I, I went to college because it's like a license for a different class of job. But I could have written like this without going to college or doing any of that. And I look at the money that most people pay for that. It's like, this is insane. And I go through this a little bit in the book, but even most jobs you do, the training on the job is very specific. Like you don't really need, you know, these humanity classes to do this. You don't need that one calculus class to do it unless you're like in a very specific engineering field or something. For a lot of things, it has nothing to do with it. Like I learned to do what I do now, what I make a living off of. Just when I started sending emails to people in high school, writing funny articles on my own. And I think there are a lot of people out there with passions they pursue on the side and they kind of get boxed out by all this academic pressure. And I, I think it's important that we find those passions and remember that, that sometimes a, a degree, it's just a piece of paper. It's not actually what you're learning. Well, let's talk about like another hot button issue, which I think totally stresses out a lot of parents, which is social media and the constant photographing of our kids uh, yes. every waking <laughs> and sleeping minute, because I love the way you talk about this. What's your philosophy about capturing our lives in great detail with every photo of every single event? Well, there's two ways to look at this. So the one way is the story that you're telling to your child, and the other way is the story you're telling to other people. So that both stories are oh, lies. Yeah, so. that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Because, <laughs> I mean, okay, so you're a parent, you know, especially when kids are younger. You take a thousand pictures, especially in the digital age, a thousand pictures, and you get one where nobody's picking their nose, nobody's crying, nobody's punching somebody in the face, and you share that one. You're like, oh, look at how wonderful my life is. And then you're over there and you feel insecure, so you take a thousand pictures and share that one picture that's a lie. And we cre we create this echo chamber of lies around it, and then we, we end up falling for our own fiction. So it's important to remember that we're all putting our best face forward, and behind each of those good pictures is just, you know, insurmountable chaos. We have to remember that that chaos is the reality, not the nice pictures. At the same time, for your kid, I mean, most of their memories before they're five or six really aren't their memories. They're memories they recreate for the stories you tell about their childhood from the pictures you show them. And uh, if you're going to do that, like, why would you show them a horrible childhood? Just show them the good picture. Be like, hey, look at this. You had so much fun. You used to love me. Especially when they're teenagers. Remind them of how they used to get along with you. I know I had somebody uh, during one of these interviews say, yeah, last year I spent all this money to send my kids to Disney World and create these 
memories of a lifetime. And the next year, their kids go, can we ever go to Disney World? They had completely forgotten that they had ever gone to Disney World because they were that young. Oh my gosh. And it's like, wow. And it's like you could spend three bucks on a car wash and have your kids be just as happy and create just as many <laughs> lasting memories. Uh, so, yeah, what you actually get from that is the pictures you took and the story you tell. You're like, no, look, this is the proof we went. You will remember this. Well, I think when your kids are little, every day feels like a year. Like it's yes. so exhausting. And every day just feels monumental. When your kid hits two and you're like, oh, I can finally travel with them. I can see where it feels like you waited so long to finally take that Disney trip. And your kid is old enough to be able to say Mickey and to recognize a princess. Mm -hmm. And that seems like the right time. And it's not. Like I took my kids at four and six, which was a, a great time to go. Mm -hmm. And like the four-year-old barely remembers so hold off on the expensive trip. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's, that's that's the greatest money saver from this book. Buy this book for 15, 16 bucks and you will save thousands on a Disney trip and you won't feel guilty <laughs> about this book is the perfect guilt reliever. That's hilarious. So um, the other thing that you talk about, which I really like, is about the right time to have kids and the age debate, whether it's good to be a young parent or an old parent or a midlife parent or have kids in your 40s or have kids in your 20s or your teens. And uh, I know there's like tons of sanctimonious debate about that. So where do you think you stand as the bare minimum parenting I, expert? I stand that there is no right time and there is no wrong time. Kids come when they come and it's going to be hard for all different kinds of reasons. There's kind of a curve. If you, if you have a kid when you're 18, you're going to have all of this energy and none of the money and none of the stability. And if you have them when you're 40 or 50, you're going to have all of the money and all of the stability and none of the energy. And it's just it's just like <laughs> that in there. I mean, you, you think, oh, I'll wait till I'm out of college. We get out of college. You don't have any money. You're just starting out your career. You're like, well, I wait till I, I'm a few years down the road, but then you've got even more career obligations. You know, you're getting promoted, you're doing these things. Uh, and I find that people who think they're going to save, you know, it'll be better when you have money. If you have more money when you have a kid, you just spend more money. You, <laughs> you buy the upgraded versions of everything. Rather than sending them to the basic preschool, you send them to the super expensive preschool. Everybody ends up just as broke and your kid isn't any better <laughs> off. So honestly, just have kids when you want to have kids and don't worry about the, well, I have to wait till X or Y happens because you will never be ready. There will never be a point where you are prepared for this. And I guess the main point of your book is that, you know, whatever time you have kids will be the right or the wrong time and you'll mess them up anyway for some reason. You'll make lots of mistakes and move on. You just summed the whole <laughs> so thing up. It doesn't matter. Now people don't even need to buy it. You just summed it all up in a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, James, it is a wonderful book. I really hope that our listeners go out and check it out. It's called Bare Minimum Parenting by James Breakwell. You can find it at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and IndieBound and your local community bookstore, which we love supporting. And where can we find you if we want to hear more of your wit and wisdom. I am all over the place. I've got two podcasts nobody listens to. One's called Wrong and Wronger, and uh, we debate like pointless topics like is a hot dog a sandwich? And then the other one is 10 Minutes to Save Your Marriage, where I team up with a psychologist. And we go through relationship issues, not just marriage, but you know, any kind of relationship between two human beings and see if we can solve some long-running issue in 10 minutes or less. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, which is probably where I'm biggest, it's at Exploding Unicorn without the E. Or you can look for me on Facebook. Just search for James Breakwell or Exploding Unicorn uh, with the E, and I'll pop right up. Excellent. Thank you. And you're going to stick around for cool picks of the week, right? I absolutely will. Great. Well, we'll be back with those right after this. So, Kristen, I'm glad you're popping in to help me welcome our newest sponsor, Square Baby. I know. Well, maybe if I was able to eat Square Baby because they give 100% daily nutrition with their meal systems, I would be feeling better and could have recorded the show with you. I like that. I don't know if they can say that legally, but I think that would be pretty awesome to say that they give you 100% of the recommended daily veggies, fruits, grains, and protein per serving to help your voice. I know. <laughs> to help 
moms who have lost their voices. But I love this idea. And man, I wish it was around when our kids were babies because it would have been such a lifesaver. I know. I spent a ridiculous amount of time completely stressing out about like baby food and should I be making it and should I be buying it and what kind should I be making and is this kind okay? And it was kind of obsessive, actually. (laughs) But I think that's what happens when you're a new parent, right? Yeah, absolutely. I did the same thing. And I think that if I could have had baby food like this delivered right to my door, I think about all the things I could have done with that time I spent. Wow. I don't know. We could have watched a lot more Netflix if that had been around when we had babies. I know. So many things. (laughs) What I think is really cool about Square Baby is that the meal plans are customized to the baby. That's crazy. That means they've got vegan meals. If you've got an omnivore, they've got that. If your baby's eating dairy-free, gluten-free. If you need extra iron, extra omega-3s. Like, we look for a lot of custom gifts. That's like a great custom gift for a new parent, isn't it? I know. And I love that they actually incorporate herbs and spices. So it helps develop their palate. So maybe they will become more adventurous little eaters as they grow older. They've thought of everything. Oh, bland food is totally overrated. This is true. So it's organic, it's balanced, and they make it by hand in small batches. Better them than me. Right. (laughs) And it's quickly frozen, and then they deliver it to your door. Yay. One less thing to worry about as a new parent. That's always a good thing. Yes. Even better than all that. I mean, that's already pretty great. But even better is if you are a spawn listener want to try Square Baby for your own baby, and of course you do, you get a special 20% off discount code. All you have to do is enter code COOLMOMPICS at squarebaby.com. You'll save 20% off your first order through 123118, which is coming right up. So I would get right on that, squarebaby.com with code COOLMOMPICS to save 20% off your first order. So James, it's time for Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! And as our guest, you get to go first. What's cool this week? I am probably going to get the title wrong, but I saw a movie, which is super rare for me. I never go out to movie theaters, but I did it, spent a small fortune on it to take two kids. Uh, but I saw The Crimes of Grindelwald as part of the Fantastic Beast <gasps> series, and I enjoyed yeah. it. I know everybody's ripping out it online. It's controversial for this or that. But you know what? For two hours, my kids sat quietly and watched. And that's my marker of a good movie. If it can entertain them for two hours, it's good. And how old is your kid? So we took a eight-year-old and a six-year-old. The eight-year-old loved it. The six-year-old was kind of on the bubble of it, but she she did not make any noise during it, and that's that's good enough for me. <laughs> I love your cool pick is like my kids sat there, I got to get out of the house done. Exactly. You, you understand me too well. <laughs> well, my cool pick of the week, actually, this helps authors and English majors alike. Um, in our holiday gift guide, which, James, have you checked out the Cool Mom Picks holiday gift of guide? Of course, because I've checked it, it out. a thing of beauty. <laughs> it's a well-curated list of about a gazillion actual number gifts for everyone on your list. And one of my favorite categories that I helped put together was tons of gifts under 15 for adults. Ooh. Because, you know, sometimes we have to shop for a lot of people and not everything should have to cost $50 to be cool. And one of my favorite Favorite, favorite things on that list is a baseball cap from Out of Print Clothing. They make really cool shirts and hats and gear all to celebrate reading, like using classic book covers. So like your kids can have a, you know, Darwin Origin of the Species t-shirt or like the original Great Gatsby <laughs> shirt. But they've really grown over the years. And they just came out with a cap that says Fight Evil Read Books. Oh, wow. Isn't that like the best gift for so many people in your life? That, that is an amazing gift. And that book you buy based on that t-shirt should be my book, of course. But yeah, definitely buy the t-shirt too. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, I love it. Plus, every time you make a purchase from the shop, you help fund literacy programs and they make book donations to communities in need. So it's just like a really cool shop. It's outofprint.com and you can find more about it on the Cool Mom Picks 
holiday gift guide. Well, James, thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's always nice to meet a, a fellow parent who's willing to not be stressed out. You know, high school, <laughs> high school search notwithstanding. Yeah, that's caused a bit of stress. Maybe I should have read your book before I embarked on that journey. Or, hey, maybe you're going to have to do another one in a few years specifically for the teen years because we're really going to need it then. Yeah, I've got all four of my daughters are going to be teenagers at the same time for like one year. And uh, that's definitely going to be a book at some point <laughs> if I survive. Oh, we're in the same boat because we I have two girls and John has two girls. And one day we're going to have a whole lot of tampons in the bathroom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was a great show. Thank you, James. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us for another episode of Spawned. And of course, huge thanks as always to our fabulous engineer, John Bowen. And hey, as Kristen would say, we love hearing from you. So please leave us a review on iTunes. You know, we'll take those like four star, five star, seven star. How many stars can you give? We'll take all of them. Those reviews on iTunes, they're so helpful to us. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode of Spawn because that would be a horrible, horrible thing. In fact, you can do it right now this second while you're listening. Just hit that little subscribe button and be sure to download our episodes. Thank you so much for listening to Spawn. This is Liz. And on behalf of Kristen, have a great day. <laughs>